0: So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, turn to the book of Isaiah. We're gonna be in chapter nine verses one to seven. Now Isaiah was a a Old Testament prophet and a a prophet was someone called by God. They were his messengers and they proclaimed truth. They revealed the future. They addressed or informed God's people of of judgment against their sin. Uh, They called people to repentance and ultimately they proclaimed God's salvation to anyone who would turn to him. And so are biblical prophets trustworthy? Uh, The answer is yes, and this is why. There was two tests that people had to do if they were to be a real prophet, and it was taken very seriously. First is prophet's prophecy cannot contradict any previous revelation from God. Second, a prophet's prophecy had to come true. And if those two things did not line up, if they they were determined to be a false prophet, then they were actually sentenced to death. So it was a very serious calling to be a prophet and and the fact that they are in our Bible um, shows that what they said came true. And what's even more interesting is sometimes prophecies in the Old Testament were messianic in that they pointed to a coming and promised Messiah who we know today as Jesus. And so that's what our passage is gonna be looking at today. So um, open your Bible to Isaiah, 9 verses 1 to 7, and before we read it, let's pray. Father, thank you that we can come and gather as a church. We can anticipate um, the coming of you, Jesus, and and Lord, I pray that as we look into your word that you'd speak to us. Um, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would reveal to us truth, and, uh, and Lord, that it would make an impact in our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen. Verse one. Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land of the east of Jordan and to Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoiced at the harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod of their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of the battle and the bloody garments of the war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born of us, for us, a son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever, the zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. So here's the main idea that I wanna surface today is that Jesus came as our living hope. And so there's four things I wanna look at, four truths in this passage that that I'm hoping would help us to see Christ today. It's first that Jesus is the light in the darkness, Jesus is our source of joy, Jesus is our Messiah, and that Jesus is our future and we're gonna go one by one looking through those. So the first thing is that Jesus is light in the darkness, verses one and two. I don't know about you, but this world doesn't seem like it's the way it's supposed to be. And you don't need to be a Christian to actually notice that. I was reading a news article yesterday um, by CBC News on the app, and, and here's what the headline said. Let's face it, BC, headlines are sad, How can we be happy during such dark times? That was the headline, and it was a great question, so I began to read it, and this is what it said. There is no denying that the past two years have been a challenge for British Columbians. What with the wildfires devastating entire communities, the discovery of First Nations unmarked graves, floods destroying homes and lives, and of course, the ongoing, ever-changing, never-ending global pandemic. Along with that is the rise of of mental health problems and and people struggling to process the darkness that is in our world. And here's what they said the solution was. This is the solution to the darkness and there's there's so much more we could have added to that list too. A professor at, of psychology at UBC said that that this is the solution. Acknowledge it, accept it, and find meaning in the situation. He then goes on to say, doing that will make pain and suffering less relevant. Which which kind of surprised me because how do you say to someone who's just lost their home and everything they own, just accept it, acknowledge it? How do you say that to someone who's struggling with psychological trauma and everything that's going on in the world? How do you say that to someone who's just lost a loved one? Acknowledge it, accept it, and find meaning in it. That's not hope. That doesn't give any assurance that things might ever get better. Yet that's the hope that they could offer is acknowledge essentially the darkness, accept the darkness and, and find meaning in the darkness. But that's not a solution. Now that's just one example in our context but all around we can see that we live in a pretty dark world. Why is that? Why is there injustice? Why is there hurt? Why is there greed? Why is there oppression? Why is there darkness all around us? Well, the Bible does give us an answer and it says sin. Sin came into this world because of our actions and, and we've brought sin into the world and, and now we're suffering because of the effects of it. That was true in Isaiah's time and that's true in our time. So then what's the solution? How do we find hope in darkness, especially in a season where we're supposed to have hope? But I know for many, you just aren't feeling that hope. And I know for me, acknowledging it, accepting it, and finding meaning in it, doesn't actually satisfy any longing of my heart. Well, let's look to the passage then for some answers. Verse one says, nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, to the Galilee of nations. What is God saying? He's saying there a time will come when gloom and darkness will be a thing of the past. That's good news. But how is that possible? Verse two says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. We know that darkness cannot exist in the presence of light. People walking in darkness have seen a great light and that light we know is a person and that person is Jesus. Jesus is a light coming into a dark world In a physical sense, we know that that light brings life. Nothing can exist on earth without the the light of the sun. In the same spiritual sense though, we cannot live spiritually unless we actually have the light of Christ. Think about every testimony you've ever heard or, or even reflect on your own. Here's the darkness I walked in, and here's how Jesus brought me to the light. Here's how Jesus saved me. Walking in the light changes your life, and it brings hope to those who have walked in darkness. An encounter with Jesus will change your life from darkness into light, from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. So when we hear all this darkness, when we hear all this chaos, thinking back to that that list I read, the hope is not... It's not just acknowledging it or accepting it or finding meaning in it. And while some of those things we do need to acknowledge, we also need someone to redeem it. Jesus can do that. That is the hope that we need this season, is that Jesus brings light into the darkness. And we can see that, that Jesus did that all throughout his ministry. He teaches us how to walk in the light. He redeems situations, he calms storms, he heals people, he heals sicknesses, he restores what sin has worked so hard to destroy. John eight twelve says, I am the light of the world, speaking of Jesus. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. If you want hope in your life today, whatever circumstance that might be in your life, and for some of you, if you just want to, w- to leave the darkness, Follow Jesus and he will lead you into the light. That is the hope that we need this season. And that's the hope that we need in the darkness. The second truth, is that Jesus is our source of joy. Verse three says, you have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at the harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. Why are they rejoicing in joy? Verse four, for you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod of their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of the battle and every bloody garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. So what is is he saying? There is joy because Jesus has taken away the oppressive yoke and has defeated the oppressor. That is the the kingdom of darkness, and we know that that leader is Satan. Verse five is saying that there is no need actually for battle clothes anymore because the battle has already been won by Jesus, just like it was in the day of Midian, which if you don't know, this is a famous story in the book of Judges. God calls Gideon to lead a very small army to defeat an overwhelmingly oppressive and large nation called the Midianites without ever lifting a sword. And yet God wins the battle for them by putting the Midianites into confusion, so much so that they actually end up fighting themselves. They go to battle against themselves and destroy themselves. God won the battle on the behalf of the Israelites. In the same way, we see that at the cross, where Jesus defeats sin, where he defeats Satan, where he defeats death for us. At the cross, Satan thought he had won thought he had killed Jesus. But instead, Jesus defeated sin, and Jesus defeated Satan and death, and then resurrects from the dead. Winning the battle for everyone who puts their faith in him. Jesus fights the battle for you. And that's something worth celebrating. That's something that's worth having joy over, It's that the battle has already been won for you. Not by any effort of your own, not because um, of anything we could do, but because our living hope, Jesus has done it for us. It's not something you can achieve, but rather it's only a gift that you can receive. Jesus is our living hope and he has won the battle. He is victorious. And that's something that can bring joy to us. The third truth is that Jesus is our Messiah Verse six says, for a child will be born of us, a son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders. Will, he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father and Prince of Peace. The hope that we have this Christmas is that Jesus came as a baby. This was a prophecy in Isaiah that was fulfilled in Christ. And to, to sort of put that into perspective, if you're, if you're a skeptic, There are over 400 prophecies that Jesus fulfills in his life that were predicted in the Old Testament prophets. And one professor at a college um, called Westmont College, along with 600 other university students, set out to to determine the probability of any of these messianic prophecies being able to become true in one person. And so, because 400 is just too big, they narrowed it down just to eight. What are the odds that Jesus fulfilled just eight prophecies? It was the, the probability that came up was 10 to the power of 17. One author named Lee Strobel puts that into perspective. He, he was an atheist who, who came a Christian, and he uses this analogy. I imagine the entire world was covered with white tiles that were one and a half inches square on every bit of dry land across the earth and on the bottom of just one tile, he painted it red. And then he pictured a person being allowed to wander a lifetime around the world, all the continents, and he would be permitted once to, p- to bend down and pick up a tile. What are the odds that it would be the tile where the reverse side is red? The odds would be the same as the just eight Old Testament prophecies coming true in any one person throughout history. Jesus doesn't just fulfill eight, he fulfills over 400. The significance of that is that God has a plan. From the day we sinned, he had a plan to redeem us, to send Jesus as a living hope, and all the Old Testament points to that reality. We have the privilege, being in the New Testament era, to be able to look back and see how that happened. Now notice the words in that that last verse. It said, for us and to us. For a child was born for us and to us. No other religion in the world does God come after you. Every religion says, here's what you need to do to be accepted by God. Jesus says, no, actually, I'm gonna come and get you. I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. I'm gonna put on flesh, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna walk in this dark and broken world. And I'm gonna show you what it means to walk in the light because I know you can't do it. And I'm gonna do it for you and then I'm gonna give my life for you. That is the God that we serve. He pursues you, He came for you. And when we accept Him as Lord and as Savior, then we're brought into his eternal kingdom that will last forever. It goes on to say that the government will be on his shoulders, meaning he is the answer to the quest for a perfect government. His shoulders will bear the weight and it will never buckle. He will rule perfectly. Then the passage moves to what Jesus will be like, his character and it comes in pairs. And I would love to spend more time on it, we just don't have the time, but we'll we'll briefly look at it is that wonderful counselor, meaning the ability to do supernatural signs and giving wise advice, and we know that Jesus fulfilled that in the New Testament. Mighty God, meaning all powerful, absolutely divine, eternal Father, We know that Jesus is eternal, that he is from eternity past, and that Jesus does play a fatherly role. For example, in the New Testament, he often refers to disciples as sons and daughters, prince of peace, meaning that Jesus is our ruler and his kingdom will be characterized by peace. That is our God. That is a God who brings hope. He he came to be those things to us. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father and prince of peace. Now the final truth is that Jesus is our future. Verse seven, the dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on. And forever, the zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Here's a promise that you have, Jesus' kingdom will never end. What does that mean that his his prosperity will never end? It's this idea that in eternity, though you will be perfect, we will always be learning, discovering, constantly growing in our knowledge of, of who God is in his greatness. We will never stop increasing in our love towards Jesus and our passionate worship towards him. It says we will reign on the th- he will reign on the throne of David in direct fulfillment of a promise made in 2 Samuel 7, 13. God promised David, King David, who was a king in the Old Testament, that a son from his own body would have a throne that would be established forever. Jesus fulfills that prophecy. And we know that is true because in the Gospel of Matthew at the very beginning of your New Testament, there's a genealogy. That genealogy shows the, the in detail, this promise coming about, coming true. Jesus was a descendant of King David and Jesus now reigns as the eternal perfect King in justice, in righteousness, and in peace. Our living hope, Jesus, will reign forever. You have the opportunity to be a part of this kingdom of light, of joy, of victory, of a future, all because our Savior came as a baby. His name's Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So then, the question I have for you today is what are you putting your hope in? And as you consider that question, let me bring to mind a warning. There is an illusion that darkness likes to offer. And it's, it's often a, a false hope. It will constantly tell you lies to lead you away from the living hope who is Christ and it'll ultimately bring you deeper into darkness. And these are the lies that you you might hear. You will find hope in another hit of that substance or a few more drinks until it wears off and you feel worse than before. You will find hope in the love and affection of another person until they stop giving you that and then you feel worse. You will find hope in, in numbing yourself with TV or media until you realize after watching, binging a whole show that the reality of your life is still the same. You will find hope in people or in leaders yet people will always let you down. You will find hope in another possession to own until it breaks and you're out a few hundred bucks or until it just stops satisfying you. Or maybe you'll find hope in another ideology or faith position, but the reality is you're just never gonna find it. So here's the truth you need to know. If you're searching for hope in darkness, you're only ever gonna find darkness. If you're searching for hope in what the world offers you, you're always gonna be disappointed. So turn to a living hope. Turn to Jesus. If you put your hope in anything other than Christ, you will be disappointed. This past week, um, my wife and I were driving and and she had Instagram open and she noticed someone had liked this, this page on, and it showed up on her um, homepage and so she went to it and it was this account all on, on deconstructing your faith, which has been a bit of a recent trend on social media and as she went to the post and, and it was sort of like 10 things on why you need to deconstruct your faith. And, and I got her to read it to me and what was fascinating is they were all related. And it happened to be all around how Christians acted. And what saddened me was that people were deconstructing their faith because they had put their hope in Christians instead of Christ. There's only one hope that will actually satisfy your soul, who will never disappoint you. The foundation of your soul must be Jesus. Jesus is enough. Christians aren't perfect, but Christ is. Your hope must be on Christ. At this time, I'll invite the the band to come back up. And so back to that question, what are you putting your hope in today? My prayer is that you would put your hope in Jesus, who is the light in the darkness, who's the source of joy, who is our Messiah, who is our future. A child was born for us. A Messiah was given to us so that we could have freedom, we could have hope, that we could be loved, forgiven, chosen, redeemed, so you could be known, justified, and secured. Jesus is that living hope. He is that wonderful counselor, that mighty God, the eternal Father, the Prince of Peace. This Christmas, as we anticipate, as we celebrate, that a savior has come to you. Let's remember that God came to be Emmanuel, God with us. I would love this season if we could be a church that walks in the light of Christ, a church that shows the joy that could be found in Jesus, a church that could show the hope, not only in our own lives, but into the people around us, the hope that can be found in Jesus this season. And let's be a church that shows people who are a part of an eternal kingdom. We have a future secured. Would that lead us to rejoice and have hope this season? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus to our world to be a light for our world. Lord, it's been a tough few years and, and we need hope in all the darkness around us. I pray our hope today would be found in you and only you. Would you increase joy in our lives? Would you help us to show people around us that you are the hope that our souls are longing for? We need you, we love you, and we worship you now. We lift this in your great and powerful name, amen thanks for listening today please subscribe to our podcast share with your friends we would love for you to join our movement all you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us